You're listening to the Built Shapes Podcast, presented by Midco Sports. Do not miss Midco Sports coverage of UND Athletics this fall, featuring live football, volleyball, soccer, and hockey broadcasts, plus original shows like Day by Day, Through These Doors, and all the relevant social media updates and info that make you a better fan. That's Midco Sports. This is how we do sports. And this is the Built Shapes Podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Built Shapes Podcast. We're taping this on a Tuesday morning, the 20th of September. Alex Heiner, Built Shaves. We are continuing on our march towards the fall, which is coming up this week. But fall athletics very much in full swing. Teams home, away, conference play right around the corner, Bill. Fun time of year for everybody in UND Athletics right now. Yeah, Alex. Uh, good morning. Uh, yeah, it's a uh, it's a fun time for sure. And uh, pre-pod as we were talking a little bit um you know our staff has the ability this maybe this past week and this upcoming week to take a deep breath um certainly from a home event standpoint because once this weekend ends strap it on alex because we're going i, I think what did you say did you how many uh how many events did you count next oh boy. week i seven seven home events mm-hmm. i believe from tuesday to sunday Three in one day on Saturday with with football and volleyball and hockey all taking place at home. Crossover season already here pretty much. It's crazy. The craziest thing almost to me is that conference play starts for all these sports. When you look at what's coming next on the schedule, not just for football, but for volleyball, for soccer. for I mean, hockey's obviously a little further down the road, but the three main fall sports right now outside of cross country all entering their conference season. It seems like we just started and here we go with the games and, and matches that really, really matter. Yeah, the rhythm of fall is is far quicker, right? Than than the than the two calendar winter sports, where you know it feels like mm, you kind of maybe put them into halves, if you will, right before the ho- before the holidays and after the holidays, and then you kind of get into the championship uh, mode. So really, probably three parts of the uh, uh, year, but 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 fall, it just feels like you get, you get here, games begin. You blink an eye, you're into conference, and you're right into championships. It just feels like it just it just goes. It's like a roller coaster. It just keeps getting faster and faster. Yeah. Some of it, I wonder, is just because it's there, there's so much anticipation, maybe because there's not as much going on in the summer. So you've been you've been thinking about these sports for a long time, and then they begin as the semester begins. It just seems like there's so much happening in the first couple of weeks that. Yeah, and there's so much anticipation around it. I don't know what I'm trying to say. It is it is such a fun time of year, though. I think because of all those, there's things. almost a um, explosion of things happening on campus, and yeah. in, in in some degree, you could all of a sudden it's two weeks later, and it feels like holy cow that uh, you know soccer's played five five matches since the last time I I saw them play, you know, in Grand Forks, and and it just it, they they've gone from the first third of their season. And now they're 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 knocking on halfway and getting to two thirds of the way through. It's it's no, it, it definitely has that feel. And then once you hit the crossover piece, um, then it's just there's so many plates spinning in uh, the air that you're you're just trying to make sure that you're almost going week by week, day by day, making sure you're checking things off. Because if you look at our staff, right, no different than your staff, um, you know, it's the same people that are kind of just making sure that everything's coordinated across the board. 
Yeah, well, they're going to be busy next week. Um, they're, of course, busy with a lot of road things going on this week. Teams and coaches spread out across the country here. And we're going to get to that. We're going to kind of touch on the different fall sports that are happening, set the scene for what's going to be an exciting couple of weeks in UND Athletics, and talk about some other high-level things here on the podcast today. A good place to start is with the University of North Dakota football team. Uh, when last we potted, they were coming off a really close defeat at Nebraska. They played well on that game, just came up short. The last two weeks, they've found ways to win really close games. One home contest against the Valley opponent that was ranked in the top 25. One road game against a good Big Sky team that was coming off being a, a big win over Sam Houston State in Northern Arizona. This seems to and run right now as they get ready to really go into the teeth of their conference season. Exciting times for Bubba Schweigert and this group, who lost so many of those close games a year ago. They've come on to the right end now of two of them here in 2022. Yeah, I thought that uh, this past weekend, for sure, uh, you know, part of uh, what was really uh, encouraging was we had no turnovers. And I think in those types of close games, th- that can obviously make a difference. And for them, right, uh, in, in you know, flip it, they had to pick six against them. And so, you know, those are those are the difference in, differences in the game. Um, and I thought, you know, of course, it, it, when, you, when you have a one-score game, um, you're going to either have to make a drive or you're going to have to make a defensive stop. And, uh, you know, in some degree, we did both at, at the end. Uh, and if you're two for two, um, you know, you have a shot you know, to win the game. And we did. And um, I was impressed with NAU. You know, I was impressed with UNI. And Mm. I'm going to sound like a broken record. I'm impressed with Sac State. And so at the end of the day, I, I, you know, I just know this. All these teams seem really good to me. I mean, I think we're pretty good, too. Uh, but but at the end of the day, um, each week, uh, you know, is, is a grind. It's its own. Um, it's its own battle. And uh, here we go again. We knew these this week, uh, this week and last week was going to be tricky. Um, those back to back road games. And, um, you know, you just find a way to get get the first one. And now you kind of go in and, you know, kind of felt like we left one on the table there last year, but that's probably unfair to say, because I think Southern would have come out saying, you know, yeah, we, we, we earned that one. So mm-hmm. at the end of the day, I, I, you know, it seems like we play pretty much a, a you know, a fourth quarter, one score game uh, each week. And so you got to be really clean in the fourth quarter. Well, UND certainly was against Northern Arizona and against you and I, for that matter, too, able to find a way to finish off that game a couple of weeks ago against the Panthers. Have you ever seen a a more, well, I shouldn't say have you ever seen, because we've seen a lot of weird endings and, and, and different things that have happened, but that fourth quarter against NIU kind of jumped the shark a little bit. Like there were a lot of things that happened with both teams having late drives, trick plays, lots of drama, et cetera, you know, for UND to find a way to win on the road. It was it was impressive because that was obvious. That's been a bugaboo for this team the last couple of seasons. Getting winning close games and winning on the road. They checked both of those boxes against the Lumberjacks. Yeah. So, you know, a little behind the curtain stuff. Uh everyone to a person uh on our trip I kind of felt the same way. I think we were all kind of up at 3 a.m. Because our body clocks, right? I mean, it was like people get up at five or six. And I was talking to Danny Freund, you know, uh, after the game. And he said, same thing. I I, I was staring at the wall at 3 a.m. So I went and got a coffee in the lobby, you know, just to to kind of do something. And it was just, it, it felt like the longest morning 
ever. So thank thank goodness we had you know uh, a one o'clock kick uh, Pacific Coast time, uh, you know unlike our friends uh, you know seventy miles south, uh, which they, they, I can't even imagine. We were getting on the plane to come home, and they still had two and a half hours to, before kick, which is just crazy. So again, all that to be said, um, you know. I, I, NAU, I thought they played pretty well, and and they were they were fired up, but they should have been after beating Sam Houston. And so, but yeah, the fourth quarter, after short of a neutral zone third quarter, felt like a holy cow. Um, every every play, there's something something happening here. That's what it felt like. Yeah, the game came to life down the stretch, and in in more ways than one. And. There were two <laughs> trick plays is such a bad word. Like they're not trick plays. I mean, they're plays that are just, you know, misdirection, et cetera. Like you're trying to get the defense to do something or see something they're not used to seeing. But but the fact that they execute these so well, I mean, Danny Freund draws them up well and the guys execute them well. And we've seen this now over the course of Danny's time as the OC. It's fun when when these work and they seem to work more often than not for this team. Yeah, I you know, maybe Sure. Right. I think it's a play and we, we actually, you know, practice those plays. So whether you want to call them, it's an unconventional play. I mean, whatever you want to say, it's, you don't see it all the time because you can't do it all the time, but it has to be in the right situation too. And so it's almost like you have to make sure you've gotten, you know, the other team to a place where you feel like it can work. And then you have to have, and you know, some people would say have the guts to call it. And you know what? I'll tell you what, a hook and ladder. Um, you know, it, 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 if you really think about it, NAU's thinking, hey, they're thrown to the middle of the field. Awesome. Good stuff. Probably not thinking, you know what? Here comes Isaiah, you know, around the yeah. around the, uh, the corner, so to speak. And so, uh, yeah, I, I, it just our offense, our offense executed incredibly well, almost too well. <laughs> they score that was a classic case of scoring a little too soon potentially but then again you know defense that on that last particular turn of play defense steps up gets the stop they need you know you come home with the 27 24 victory you improve to two and one number 19 now in the country even though those polls don't really matter so much but as you said now you go on the road another ranked team in the valley at southern illinois carbondale is a tough place to go play and that's a southern team now who's also coming off a big win over northwestern and they've been a little, I, I don't know, they're one and two. But again, do records sort of even matter? Like it depends on who you've played and where you've played and all these things. But big test this week, of course, against a good Saluki team who was a playoff team a season ago. And and then a home game against Missouri State. When he gets to come back home finally for the Hall of Fame on October the 1st, uh, which will be a really exciting thing. So it's just a lot of positive things going on with this program right now and fun to see them have success early in the season. Yeah, you know, I think our guys, um, you know, they probably um, – knew how many close games obviously we were in last year and that we're going to be in again this year. And, uh, and they're pretty well, they're dialed, they're concentrating. I, I, I mean, I, I just think they're, they're making really good plays at the right time. So, uh, yeah. So, you know, this week will be, uh, interesting. We know Southern Illinois coming off a, a win against Northwestern, Holy cow. Right. So, so it's kind of like that 14 thing, right? Like Northwestern beat Nebraska, Nebraska beat us, Southern Illinois beat Northwestern. And now we go play Southern Illinois. So go figure it out. And that's all within the first three or four weeks of the season. Uh, I'm not going to get into the transitive commutative properties or whatever we're talking about here. But yes, it is funny how four degrees of separation for all these squads. 
for that home game coming up on October the 1st. There have just been some comments online that we've seen and just some conversation about the catwalk area, just the the area along the bridge decks at the at the north and south end zones, et cetera, about how those are closed off this year. Uh, I know Eric Martinson went on Paul and Sims radio show yesterday to have a little conversation about that. Just your thoughts on, uh, maybe, or maybe give some clarification on why those areas now are closed off to fans. Yeah, so Eric uh, went on with Paul and Tim and the good news with the iHeart app, um, uh, Paul can record it and it can kind of live on. And so it uh, kind of gives you more context than just a, uh, um, you know, a quick quote, so to speak, uh, um, or a quick soundbite. So, you know, and no different than we, we can do here, Alex, on a podcast. But, you know, um, yeah, you know, so there has been some conversation and I really, um, you know, first and foremost, and I think Eric said it and I'll say it too. It's uh, our, our fans are awesome, right? They're, they're passionate. Um, they, they want to question some things. And, you know, as we came out of COVID because uh, you know, COVID was always, it was interesting on how we, you know, who we could have in the building at that point in time. But the one thing that probably, you know, I'll, I'll take the hit on this one. Maybe we didn't do a good job articulating this to some degree, but I think we were just trying to play football games at that point in time and, and kind of going down, you know, whatever path we were. But in the transition from conferences, from the big sky to the valley, um, there's some operational differences between the two leagues. And, um, and this is probably near and dear to, to Midco's heart to some degree. Uh, one, of the, one of the things you can do is side-by-side telecasts. And that was something you couldn't do in the big sky. And we had to account for that. And we had to account for a few other things as well. And if you go up into the press box, it's, it's fairly tight up there. You know, you'll, you'll, if our opponents come up there with their uh, Tyler Wells's, if you will, right. Or Alec Johnson's, they'll be up there, right. That, that, because they have to take care of the media, but there's other people that come with, with the opposing teams. We've had nowhere to put them to some degree. And so that was important for us knowing that we were in the region and we were going to get so many more people coming to the game as opposed to say when NAU or Southern Utah came. And so again, there there was a confluence of things that were going on. That's, that was just on one of the bridges, Alex. So we've kind of used it from an operational standpoint. And then the South bridge, um, uh, we've manifested it, uh, you know, between uh, truly at the end of the day, the Alaris Center was able to sell that South area. So, so for all their events. And so that's the opportunity in which you could purchase tickets to be in that area, so to speak. So there is an opportunity on the South end for sure. Um, but, you know, I think our thought process was we want to manifest to a sellout and we want to make sure that we've got every place in the in the uh, in the Alaris Center kind of accounted for, so to speak, whether it be from a manifesting standpoint or an operational standpoint. So that's kind of the you know that's the four one one of it all. And I would say we got kind of clouded through this thing, and we probably could have done a, a much better job, maybe from a PR standpoint, getting it out when we did. But we were in such a weird spot with COVID at the end of the day that things were all different at that stage of the game. We didn't have people on the field at that stage. So there was just weird things. Final thing, final thing, and it just actually happened, is we got a new turf. And at the new turf, we're not putting in what that cabana area was in kind of like uh, uh, one of the corner end zones at some point, certainly on the south side, if you will. And so that's another area where we've got uh, teams coming back and, and, and we need 
a place to put them. So that's kind of happening now on the north end as well. So anyways, long description as far as what's going on. But I, I, I do want folks to know that stuff. I mean, I, I think it's important for them to know. I, I'm, I'm sure, you know, there's a disappointment level that they're not, you know, currently uh, able to do maybe what they previously were able to do. But again, those were some of the things that we had to work with based on the venue that we have. Anytime there's change, right? People always kind of want to know, why is this happening? And even if they hear the why, sometimes they're not super excited to, to hear the explanation. What do we say? The great ones adjust, right? So find yeah. a new kind of routine, figure those things out if you are used to sitting at those ends. Yeah. And, you know, again, I, I, I know my goal. Here's what my goal is, that we've got 12,000 plus in the Alara Center every single game. I mean, and it's just not certain games. That, that, that's the idea. That's the goal behind it. And you, you have to make sure that you operationalize to that as well. So you could say, hey, well, maybe not every game's in that, that mode. Got it. But I'll tell you what, it would be tricky to be able to say this game, you can do this, but this game, you can't do that. And so, again, we're just trying to be thoughtful and just saying, look, we uh, I'm, I'm, I'm glass half full. I'm optimistic. Our, our thought process is, hey, this team's going to continue to win all the way to, to, to trying to win a national championship right on a year to year basis. And again, having 12, 12 plus in that facility is awesome for us because obviously we've played very well at home and it's loud. But at the end of the day, we get 12 plus in there. It's going to be really, really loud. But we also have to service our league and our opponents that are coming in and the, and, and the media that we have partnerships with. There's just, um, there's just a lot that goes into some of these conversations. And I don't know. I just The side-by-side broadcasting thing is so relevant now because we're a part of this now. We're the, we're the ones on the road going with the UND football team. For the first time this week, our first broadcast of the season will be at Carbondale. And so we're bringing a crew. We'll have a truck down there. It's going to be a full production and you need space. And some of these Valley areas are not really well equipped to handle one broadcast team, let alone two. But you have to sort of meet those standards to make sure, hey, even if this, even if that Missouri State game, for example, I don't believe they're bringing a a separate broadcast team, but you have to, if they wanted to, you have to allow that to be a possibility. And let me make this incredibly clear. I have no interest in just meeting standards. I want to exceed the standards. And I want folks to come to the Alara Center and say, this was the best experience that that we've had in the Valley, in the FCS. And quite frankly, it's an FBS, uh, it's an FBS uh, um, facility. Yeah, that's a good good goal to have. And that it'll feel it always feels that way when it's full. And hopefully that'll be the case coming up on October the first, Hall of Fame game against Mo State. But yeah, big one on the twenty fourth first, this coming Saturday at number twenty four, Southern Illinois. Again, you can watch that game live on Midcoast Sports. Really excited to carry that one from the road. Fall sports have been awfully busy. Volleyball was on the road at Green Bay with the, the Green Bay Invitational this past week. They went one and two, got a nice five set win against Drake. We're very much in the other matches. This is a team right now, three wins on the season, three and eight, um, getting ready to start conference play on the road this week at Western and at St. Thomas. Just your thoughts on how, how you've seen this team progress and ebb and flow as they picked up a couple of wins early in the non-conference season. A couple things uh, in talking to, uh, to Jesse. Um, seems like uh, you know, he's really utilized the uh, pre-conference season as uh, the ability to really see what he has from a, a bench. I, I almost liken it maybe to the NBA season right now. I, I, I don't know what he's going to end up doing, but it, he, he might go to a, 
let's call it a smaller rotation at some stage of the game. But today he really has used a lot of folks. I know, um, you know, we, well, let's just say we, we weren't um, feeling the best this past weekend. We not COVID per se, but which is not feeling great. And so sometimes that kind of rolls through you a little bit. So, so I, t- I think our team w- w- did a good job there. Just, just grinding through some things. Green Bay is very good. Um, they took it to us. Edwardsville, that was painful. We had two. We had two match points yeah. uh, in the fourth set. Two, and that's hard. And and so then lost in five. And give Edwardsville credit; they kind of got ahead in the fifth set, and we just we couldn't catch them. And then, uh, but to to grind back and beat Drake, I, I was really proud of the uh, team. And so uh, that was good. Yeah, they you know based on what what transpired last year, Alex. You know you gotta you gotta flush that record, and in and, and to some degree, you just gotta you gotta worry about progress. And and right now, I I, I think I think we're progressing. Um, and, uh, you know, it should be exciting uh, coming into the Summit League. Yeah, they, they were a fun team to watch during the UND Classic. That was kind of our first taste of this group with home action. Um, we did the game against Montana State on that Thursday. And you could see there was a bounce and a lift to this team. They were really fun to watch. I know they lost in four. But again, those it was like 26, 24, 25. 20, they, were, they went the distance in a lot of those sets. And I came away feeling pretty good about this team's prospects. Uh, you can tell some of the transfer kids they brought in, like Marissa Stockman from Florida State, like she can jump out of the gym and brought a lot of energy and emotion. And that wasn't necessarily something they they had in spades last year. Their younger kids seem to be taking steps as well, Ashlyn Olsen, et cetera. There's a good foundation there. You only got to see them really in just the two matches at home. They will have a lot more home matches coming up. They play three next week on on Tuesday, on Thursday, and on Saturday, a part of this crazy seven event, eight events, and six-day week coming up for UND. But um, but there's definitely some potential there for this team to really exceed expectations in the league this year. Yeah, I think... Um... I think anytime you're in year one, you're just trying to establish the foundation of what you're trying to do moving forward. And uh, but but I think you're trying to do it simultaneously with uh, getting results as well. Right. So at the end of the day, um, I think uh, I think Jesse's uh, um, coaching staff has, has done a great job in that regard. So, yeah, I, I mean, I think this team, I, I think its trajectory um, continues maybe uh, to keep getting better as the season get, goes along. Yeah. Well, good luck to them as they travel to Macomb and to the Twin Cities this coming week to open up Summit League play. And then, yeah, back home on the 27th, the 29th, and the 1st. A lot of opportunities right around the corner to cheer on this UND volleyball team here in year one of the Jesse Tupac era. Women's soccer, meanwhile, they're in the midst of this long six-game road trip. They've been able to come back to It was unlike their 10-game road trip where they really were on the road for 10 straight days. This has been a little back and forth, but they're on a three-game unbeaten run right now. They picked up a nice draw on the road at a good Portland State team and then beat Missouri Valley State and beats Arkansas Pine Bluff this past week. A couple more road games coming up, but closer road tip, uh, road trips instead of going to the Pacific Northwest or down south. Uh, but yeah, UNO, DU coming up on the schedule. 4-4-2 four, four, and two right now for Chris Logan's squad. They're playing good soccer at the moment. Yeah, kind of right in the middle uh, of uh, of the standings in the summit as far as non-conference. Uh, and again, hard to understand who's played who at this stage of the game uh, across the uh, the conference but yeah I you know I, I'd say that defensively we've been solid um 
you know, and I think I, if, uh, if I was, I was texting with Chris and I think, you know, we're just trying to figure out a way, you know, maybe to generate a, a little bit more offense. Right. So at the end of the day, um, you know, but I think we've been generally pretty good defensively at this, at this stage of the game. So that's, you certainly can hang your hat on that, but, uh, we're gonna, we're gonna have to find a way to, to score some goals for sure. So this weekend was good. Um, certainly, kept uh, what, two clean sheets and uh, found a way to win one, nothing and two, nothing. So, uh, um, but that's soccer. That's soccer. Yeah. Just, just go to our B side. We, 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 we'll talk about that. Although if you're the Spurs fan, maybe it's not about clean sheets. It's, it's not about the defense. It's about putting no. out touchdowns. That's yeah. right. <laughs> that's coming up. That's a good tease. The, the uh, sun high men podcast is coming up in about 20 minutes or so. Uh, this year, you said clean, they have three shutouts in a row. Now they will be tested this week. Omaha was a tournament team a season ago. Denver is the reigning regular season champ. Denver hung up. They hung up a touchdown on UND last season. So a good chance to see maybe where North Dakota is at coming up this week as they start summit league play, but this is a fun team to watch. They've got some home matches coming up next week as well on Friday and on Sunday. So stay tuned to get back to Bronson and see this team in action, but a good start again, 500 through the opening 10 games of the year for Chris Logan's club cross country, by the way, a bit of an, a bit of a lull right now. They didn't have a meet this past week. They're kind of in that waiting, gearing up towards the end of the season, big meet coming up this weekend uh, on Friday at the Roy Griak uh, up in the twin cities. Uh, right now there, there's just two, really just two meets left before the That's summer it. league championships. It's crazy how fast that we say that every week. I feel like on the pod, but, but it's, it's back just, to, it's back to what you said at the beginning. It just, once it starts, it goes cross country, man. I'm telling you. Little side note, I have my niece and nephew who are eight and five, respectively, ran in their first cross-country races this past week. And I got the little the little video of just little kids running with so much joy. And they're just running like, <laughs> my five-year-old, it's like 500 yards. Like, it's not very long. It's not a 5K. It's like a 500. But just so much fun to see those little arms and legs moving. You got to start them young, Bill. Cross-country. Who knew? Start them young. Get them into it. Lifelong sport. Lifelong sport. That's it. How many runners do you know in your life? Probably a lot. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Or at least you see a lot as they're cruising along the road. Yep. And I always say, good for them. <laughs> I, I do. I, that is always my thought. Really good for them. And then, you know, and, you know, then there's a lot, whole other things that go on in everybody's mind. I should do that or whatever. But, but their long story short is good for them. Good for them. Good for them. Well, good for our cross-country crew again yes. up on Friday. Big, big opportunity. Let's just say that big opportunity up in the Twin Cities against a lot of Big Ten schools, top class talent from across the upper Midwest at the prestigious Roy Griak Invitational. Uh, one other thing before we chat about some Summit League meeting stuff. The NCHC is just around the quarter. NCHC Media Day is coming up on Thursday. UND Hockey Media Day is next week. The USCHO poll just came out uh, yesterday. North Dakota ranked number four in the preseason poll in the country. Five NCHC teams ranked in the top 20. We had Hockey Fan Fest, by the way, last week, which was great. Um, Midco Sports sponsoring the Hockey Fan Fest again, which was down in the bowl of Ralph Engelsad Arena. So great to see so many people come out and get autographs and play knee hockey and work on their stick handling and just hang out and get some posters for the season. Even though we're still 10 days away from the start of the season, October the 1st, the exhibition opener against Manitoba. It, now that everything is coming out, this is the purpose of the preseason poll, right? You get excited. You build that excitement. Same thing with Fan Fest. Same thing with Media Day. This really is right around the corner. Hockey season is – the next time we pod bill, we'll be in it. Isn't that crazy? I know. I mean, uh, and for, for those of you who are, are new to our pod, we're, we're an every other week pod. So, uh, and it seems to, seems to fit 
based on a lot of the things that occur over about a 13 day period. So that's, uh, I think that's the rhythm Alan, Alex and I have gotten into and it seems like it works. Um, yeah, it's, uh, you're correct. I mean, next time we do pod, yep, we're going to be having hit the ice and it, it'll be exciting for sure. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, you know, excited about this team coming back, obviously a little bit different than what, 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 what happened last year, right? Where literally half the roster uh, was new. Um, you've got a few, uh, few new guys that we're excited about for sure. Sure, both transfers and uh, in first years, and uh, but uh, a lot less uh, um, uh, to kind of incorporate into the system, if you will. So uh, we have probably a lot of a lot of known uh, commodities uh, back. So that's exciting. Yeah, it's a talented group again between returners and incoming freshmen or, or, or transfers. Again, seven new faces, but a lot of guys who are key cogs that are back. It'll be fun as always to see them come together and and make another push. The league this year will be fascinating where Denver is the number one team in the country. They're the reigning national champions. I think in most people's preseason poll, it was kind of a pick between Denver and North Dakota in the NCHC at least. And then it feels like St. Cloud and Minnesota Duluth are sort of that next year that'll be very much in the hunt. And then on paper, it feels like then there's a bit of a drop-off where Omaha and Western Michigan lost a lot from good teams a season ago. CC feels like they're climbing up. They're starting to build talent now in Chris Mayotte's second year. And then Miami is kind of an unknown. They have a lot of new faces as well as Chris Bergeron tries to get that team out of the cellar. But you never know. Every year in this league, every weekend's tough. It will be... I, I'll be curious to see what the what the poll results are, what the NCHC media thinks when the poll comes out on Thursday during NCHC Media Day this week. So be on the lookout for that to see what uh, those of us who call who cover this league closely uh, believe is going to happen. Yeah, I mean it's it, you know it, it's it's good fodder. It gets uh, folks uh, excited for the year for sure and. All of us know, you know, it's more about at the end, right, than at the beginning. But it's really, it's 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 good to to um, you know get some recognition out there for uh, our student athletes in the league as well. And we we know how good the league is. And so uh, here we go again. Yeah, I'm not going to divulge, but I had three North Dakota players on my preseason all conference ballot. I'm not going to tell hmm. you who they are, but you can you think about it. We'll see if you can come up with them. Got it. <laughs> Got it. Summit League meetings, Bill. You had Summit League meetings this past week. What was the the biggest talking point coming from those meetings the other day? So, Alex, I, and maybe this is a good conversation for a pod at some point in time, but crossover time won't be awesome to be able to do that to some degree. But if we have a, a second or two, we probably should talk about the transformation committee and, and some of the th- work that they're attempting to do at this point in time. And I think philosophically, it was more philosophical conversations about where are they right now? And, you know, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm a little disappointed right now because it feels like we've done anything but transform. Because at the end of the day, really what's happened is we've talked about putting some windows around transferring. Okay, got it. But we've had transferring before. We talked about enforcement. Yeah but we've had enforcement before. So, so really, I'm not sure that's, you know, those are the things that they've, they've come to the table with at this point. I'll say everyone in the industry to some degree around the country, they're sitting in the chairs that I'm in are waiting for, they're waiting for the division one, quote unquote, standards, membership standards. And that's been teased kind of like the B side. It's been teased, but it hasn't necessarily come to grips with what we're talking about right now. And I don't know how you're objectively going to figure that out. I really don't. And, and those are the things that, you know, I guess if there's a level of frustration in that room, there was frustration that, you know, the model that we are playing under right now actually still works for us. 
I mean, we have students that, you know, at the end of the day are integrated into the university and that's what we want. So we still have the university that is one of our, you know, primary uh, supporters, you know, certainly financially. And then we do have an amazing external group as well. And it's almost kind of like a 50-50 shared uh, way of approaching it. Well, maybe at Alabama, that's different, or LSU, or Texas, or Texas A&M. But if you read what the mission of intercollegiate athletics is, I think that it's talking to the University of North Dakota. And so I think it's talking to everybody else in that summit league. So I, I'll be honest with you, there's a level of frustration. There, there really is. And you know, we have to decide, you know, you know, maybe what we're doing is a pretty good thing. And maybe there's about 175 of us that need to just say, you know, I'm not sure what we're transforming to. So how about that? Let, let, let that just marinate for a second or two. Yeah. So my, my thought then goes to, do you see if, if it feels like schools that are in North Dakota's shoes are, are good, really, that, that they don't need to have this big seismic shift. Does it feel like that we're just going to come to an inevitable parting of the ways with the the upper, you know, 5% or so that are kind of playing by different rules and operating under much different budgets and different auspices and then everybody else will sort of be doing their own thing? Well, what, what I do think, you think? Yeah, I think this. So here's what's been disappointing is if if the transformation committee needs to talk about one word, football, at the highest levels. And, and if you wanted like then figure out, and I, and I saw where there was a group of FBS ADs literally at the same time we were meeting, they were meeting in Washington, D.C., talking about how to govern football at, at I'll call it at the highest level. And, and I'm not even going to say FBS because I'm not sure all 125 yeah, yeah. FBS schools are, are going to let's say, make the cut, whatever that cut line is. You know, I feel like we're in a major, right, in Augusta. I don't know what the cut line's going to be, but I don't think it's 125. So it's going to be something less than that. And then, you know what, should they be able to go manage themselves and do something? Yeah, maybe, maybe, you know, because honestly, they have different they have different issues on a day-to-day basis that they are wor- working through. And you know what? I don't even understand those issues. I'll be honest. I, I, I kind of, I, I get, I think what they're talking about, but they literally have different issues than the University of North Dakota. And so, so then the question is, if that gets separated out, then I think, you know what? I think the rest of the sports can kind of sort of exist under the model that we're in right now. I had read an athletic article about this uh, a while ago. I think this went, this happened probably right after the USC UCLA move to the Big Ten was announced. It feels very much like the Premier League did back in the early '90s, where you have this group of uh, really ten teams, and then, then sort of ten more kind of came along. But there were this group of ultra-rich teams that had just started to outpace the rest, and felt like, you know, what what do we have in common with? you know, the smaller level, like the the teams that we're playing against, but that have a fraction of our budget that maybe we need to do our own thing. That was, you know, hugely controversial at the time, because again, it was all under the same pyramid. Everything was under the English Football Association, and it still is to some degree, but the Premier League now is essentially it's its own thing. 
and they're just working within the model of the championship and, and League One, League Two. But they broke away. And it almost feels like we're in the same boat here, where the, the discrepancy between what Alabama is paying its coaching staff and the revenue they generate and all those sorts of things. There is so much less in common with Alabama football, even with like Kent State football, or even, I mean, you could even pick like some schools that are like power five schools that are at the lower, like Rutgers, for example, like the lower end of some of the big conference schools. They don't have much in common with, with those top programs. And it might be wise to perhaps not lump those in with everybody who were sort of at the other end of the spectrum. Yeah. I, I, you know, Alex, a hundred percent. So, so here's what I'd say. We can learn so much from soccer (laughs) as far as what's happening, right? You can learn so much because you know, what, what happened with the super league is, was, was interesting. Um, And so I still think though, we need to make sure we read the room and, 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 and protect the March Madness basketball tournaments. And I, and I think that's important, but I also think we need to recognize what you just indicated that, you know, although Rutgers is in the same conference as Ohio State, you know, my guess is you probably could take 10 to 15 schools that are just in its own category. And then... Of course, you know, the Yankees have always been in their same cat- their own category, but they've always needed others to play. And so you of course you need teams to play, but I do think the football piece, I'll call it at the highest level, needs to be figured out before everything else happens. That's why talking about enforcement and transfers, I I I just want to shake my head and go, we will follow the rules. Whatever those rules are, we're going to follow them. But we've had them. We've had them. Tell me what we actually are transforming right now. That's, to me, where we need to be. And so, you know, and again, the folks that are on the committee, it's thankless because they have their own jobs. I mean, they, they are giving of themselves to try to figure this thing out where maybe, you know, where in the world are you trying to figure out 350 schools in this thing called division one most leagues around the world have about 30 teams it's complicated and and (laughs) i know it's a difficult job and they've got some big decisions to make and we will see what this whole thing looks like in the next couple years well and so i think for this pod though it was good for folks to know look there's a level of you know what there's value in the things that we're doing on a day-to-day basis i I believe and i i've always felt that because people would say you know what well what business are you in you know and some would tell you that i'm in intercollegiate athletics business, some would say maybe you're in the education business. I, I, I would probably say to you, it's both. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's both. You'd, you'd hope. I, that, that hopefully is, is a big part of your job and still part of your passion to have a foot in both of those camps. And, and then and, and they should work together, right? Those should be connected. Yep. And, they, and, you know, the, the intercollegiate athletics should be, you know, in concert with the rest of the university and what the university is looking to do moving forward. And so again, I should not be an athletic administrator. I should be a campus administrator. 
I should worry about what is transpiring with enrollment. What are the trends? What are hap- How can athletics help the university moving forward? And so, you know, those are the things, you know, and, and I would suggest at maybe the highest, highest levels in the sport of football, they have different issues they're dealing with. What do you think, one more thing on this, and then we will flip over to the B set here for the final 10 minutes or so. What, what are some of those bigger issues maybe that are, separating those schools from everybody else or things that are maybe slowing down this process of change, you know, to make, to make things sort of work. What's going on? Yeah. I mean, I, I just think if you look at the television contracts at the highest levels, they, that, that, that's then fraught with other conversations that had to be have, you know, I mean, and I think that's where NIL has come in to some degree and, and some other things have occurred. And so I think when you have, it's great, it's amazing, the product, it's awesome, but it comes with other conversations and some leagues, let's just call it sometimes pay to be on. I mean, that like that, there's a wide discrepancy between getting paid a lot and paying to be on. Then there's everything in the middle as well. And so, you know, I just think when you're dealing with that, that is um, hard to put everybody under the same tent and umbrella when it comes to that particular sport. Because I think there's some things that those programs probably should do or think about doing that then doesn't make sense for other programs because they're not under the same financial model as certain institutions are. Yeah. The fact that like Nebraska's buyout of Scott Frost, that in itself is like more than the operating budget for the calendar year of like a lot of these schools. I mean, by, by a wide degree. And <laughs> that sort of shows, that reflects a little bit maybe on where some of these schools are at here. Obviously, Trev's going to do what Trev has to do based on what he has to do there. But it was just interesting, you know, October 1, the timing bill. Yeah, it declined. But but it, it, it again, I, I, I don't do anybody else's work. I mean, I, th- those are he only knows his business. And so uh, but I would suggest just I would agree with you. I would suggest we're in a different neighborhood. I'll leave you with this. More money, more problems, Bill. More money, more problems. That's that's how it feels. On some yeah, yeah. It, it's a uh, um, it, it certainly it certainly leads to different conversations. Yeah. Hmm. Well, like we, I feel like we say this a lot, but something to monitor as we move forward, as more conversations take place within the NCAA and its member institutions over the next months and uh, several years. So uh, time for a quick little flip over let's to do. Let's the do B it. side. Two, yep. two things that I wanted to discuss this week. You teased Spurs. So let's start there. First of all, Queen Elizabeth's death, of course, changed things a little bit in the EPL where you had a one week of games completely postponed and then games that were supposed to take place in London this weekend were also called off because of policing. So Liverpool haven't played a Premier League match now for two weeks or so. So I feel almost like a little removed as to what even is going on. But obviously I was paying attention this weekend when Spurs put up six, six bill over Leicester. This was like the stodgy Spurs team that was just going to counterattack and hope to get one and not get picked off. And they put up six against the Foxes. Three from Sun in the second half. 
that's that's Bill. There's a lot of pieces to that puzzle, but 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 Sun has uh you know he he's uh for for those of the you that don't know he he tied last year Alex's guy Mo Salah for the most goals in the Premier League. I think it was 23, and so he had gotten off to a tough start in the first. Let's just say. Uh, dozen games uh, both in all competitions this year he was uh, sitting at zero and so uh, there was a lot of clamor for him to come off the bench and uh and and that's what happened and he came off the bench and he had a couple spectacular goals and, and you know he had some uh a little bit of he was unlucky a little bit along the way too but that's what goes but he was a he's a baseball player that was in a slump I mean, that's all. I mean, he was. And I, I, I think he's going to score goals. I do. I think he's going to score goals. But at the end of the day, he came in and within 12 minutes, he scored three. Now, part of that is the fact that they're catching Lester at the right time. Like, let's not get crazy here. Like, yeah. Lester, now, uh, Tottenham's played well enough to be near the top of the table, but they have... Um, they haven't sparkled like Man City has, or even <laughs> Arsenal. Yeah, I'll give you that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, Tottenham the, looks. Tottenham looks. Uh, they've gotten it done. They've, that's a good way to put it. They, the results have been there for, more often than not. They've found a way to get points almost every match. Conte's got them playing well, but this was you are right. Poor Leicester, who I think made one signing for the entirety of the summer and saw really a lot of their best players move on. Um, their coach, Brendan Rodgers, is probably not going to make it uh, much longer, probably. Like, it's just, it's a it's a listing ship, and you did catch him at the right time. But also, too, you still had to score the goals. And Son, especially the one that he fired in from, like, 30 yards out, go look that up if you haven't seen it. Like, just a rocket from the outside. An emphatic way to break out of a slump. I was going to posit, Harry Kane typically is the guy who doesn't start seasons well. Harry, I, I think until last year, I don't think he'd ever scored in the month of August in Premier League play. And he's been scoring. It's almost like he transferred the bad juju from the start of the season over to Sun for this year. So we'll see. I've got Youngman's son in my fantasy team, and I've, I've suffered the consequences over the first month. And I hope he can continue this pace. It was nice to see him score and not get like two points uh, a week this last week. With uh, the Queen's passing and then, uh, again, some more postponements, the, the 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 congestion of, of fixtures are going to be unbelievable. I, I mean, truly, I, I, you're going to need your entire roster. It's going to get crowded. It already is crowded. I think that's part of it. That it already was a crowded fixture list, and now they've added, you know, a couple. They have to find two more dates somewhere in the calendar with the World Cup coming at the end of November. It's going to be tricky. But yeah, you you the deeper your squad is this year the better off you will be. That's 100% sure. Yeah, and, and you know, we had gone to uh, sporting and, uh, and lost there and uh, mm-hmm. gave up two, two really not great, you know, it was in like the, the 90th minute and it was late, just, ugh, late goals. Yeah. Those, are, those are not good. That, that was, so there's a complete bad taste in their mouth coming back to play Leicester and found a way to score six. And now, of course, we go on an international break. Do we really need an international break right now? Like, truly. It's like, yeah, help me. You're the soccer expert. I am not. I'd like to ask good questions. Why do we have to do this right now? Well, this year, it's especially important because these teams need to figure out, these these international sides need to figure out who they're going to take to the World Cup. So this is essentially the last tune-up before they go play the World Cup. I know, I know. We couldn't have done that the last one. Like, I'm just saying, like... 
at the, at the end of the day, I understand what you're saying if there's nothing else going on. Right. <laughs> I know. You would sort of think, couldn't, yeah, couldn't you have done that like just in July or just in, and then let the see, let the club seasons play out as they will because right. you're going to interrupt the club season so much in November, December. Yeah. But again, this is FIFA. So like, they're not really caring about, they're caring about their deal. The, yeah. This is much. their That's, schedule. That's basically how it works. Yeah. So we're all just living in their worlds and you just kind of shake your head and go ahead. Hope hope you guys don't get hurt when they're on international duty. So uh, one last soccer thing. And then I do have an NFL question for you. Uh, Have you seen Team USA's kits for the World Cup? You know, I don't know if I have. Mm. Yeah. Uh, What are we thinking? You're not missing much, Bill. Are they red, white and blue? (laughs) The ones, the home uniforms are white with with some some red and blue stripes, like just mild. I mean, very, very muted. Uh, the crest is in the middle, which is different. I mean, they're not, they're not great. They're not bad. They're just kind of like, oh, that's fine. I'm sure they'll be fine. The, um, the roads are like blue and black. It's kind of like a Holstein sort of pattern. Um, the kids might like it. I don't know. It's not really for me, but the big question though is, do we need to have social media? Soccer Twitter has not been a fan of what Nike's done to the USA kits. Everybody seems to say, can we just pick a look for like, like Argentina, they will have white and blue stripes. That's their kit. They will adjust a little bit, but that's their kit. Brazil will have the canary yellow with the blue accents. That's their kit. All these teams, you know, Mexico will wear green and then with some red and some white. All the best teams seem to have one look and they can get funky with their away kits, but they have essentially one look that is their signature look. The USA does not. It just seems like every World Cup cycle for the men and women, they sort of throw out the old look and then they try something new Mm -hmm. and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Do you feel like we need a look? And if so, what look would you say we should Well, it would have to be a classic look. So I don't know what that, I don't know what that look is, but if you, but to me, you know, Argentina, of course, they've had success too, but but they have an iconic classic look. Mm-hmm. I mean, you yeah, would never Celeste. mess around with that, right? So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what that would be. And, and our our history is spotty. <laughs> yes, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. This yeah. might be our iconic look if we win the World Cup. I mean, gosh, it would be an unfortunate iconic look. But yeah, I liked, I mean, over the years, they've had some that have been either real plain, like I think back to like 2010 South Africa, it was basically just a a, coll- a white collared shirt, essentially, with like nothing. And it was fine. That was fine. Why not? It's, it was simple. It looked very like like an English home kit. But it was. I'm a less is more guy. I I yeah. I, I don't. I don't. Think you I don't need to get crazy. But, but you know, I I agree with you. Um, but we do have to settle on it then at, at yeah, some stage of the game. And I don't know what that would look like. Yeah, my favorite was the O2. I liked the 2002 kit, the year that they made it to the quarterfinals. It was just a. It was white. It had like some red and blue on the sides. I don't know if it was like the most attractive kit, but that was the one that I really liked the most, probably because the team played well in it and they made the quarterfinals. And that was the Donovan. That, that was really, you know, they beat Mexico in the round of 16. There are so many good memories associated with that kit that you think, yeah, let's just go back to that. Yeah. But I digress. So uh, last thing, we had the Chaves Heinert NFL Derby this past week. Yeah. Steelers, Pats, 17-14. Not really an exciting game. Really bad game. game. Not, not, both of these teams. Are both, are both our teams bad, Bill? Are, it, well, are, are, we're not, we we're not booking our tickets that? to the Super Bowl. 
That, I mean, if we are, we're not going to see them. We're not, we're not going to see them. What about to the playoffs? Do either of our teams make the playoffs this year? Um, Obviously very early. Yeah, really good question. Um, I would say you have a better chance because your division, you'll lose twice to Buffalo, but you have a better chance to, to go get Miami at home and to beat the Jets twice. I, I, the, the Steelers, Steelers got to figure out, um, well, of course, <laughs> it didn't help T.J. Watt was out. I mean, that, let's loss. start there. I mean, it, it, that, that, it, it, if you got Fitzpatrick and Watt, you have a little bit of a shot on defense. So that didn't help, but we didn't help ourselves either. And, you know, you know what? And it's okay. I, I, um, I heard Trent Delfer talking to Ryan Rossillo the other day, and he made a pretty good point. And he, I forget how he kind of said this, but he sees all of these quarterbacks because he's got one of these pass these camps that they all go to. So he knows them all. He knows them all. And he, but he did say though, it feels like there's a little bit of a difference when you can allow one of your quarterbacks to come into the league in sit a year, at least one year. It, it, you know, obviously it happened with Mahomes. It, I mean, we probably can go down the path a little bit. I, I, I don't know if it happened to, to Allen or not, but long story short, I, I, I don't want to rush Kenny Pickett in there, but I would say this, whatever I saw on Sunday was weird to me. Like, can, can you run a receiver in the middle of the field? Just one. It is so bizarre because your skill position guys are great. Like you've probably got They're really of the good. best skill guys in the league. If you we look just don't want to get them run, the ball. Running back, tight end, receiver. But you have the a, a bad offensive line and maybe, I mean, a bottom three quarterback in terms of starters, right? I mean, would you put – I'd rather have Geno Smith than Mitch yeah. Trubisky. He, he, I'd rather he, have – He's easily a backup. <laughs> so we've, we've learned his sabbatical year. It, we, it didn't get any better. And so we have two, we have two backups, backups. Rudolph and him. And I think you're just going to play him. But the problem is you've got Fitzpatrick and Watt on big deals on the defensive side. And you don't have time in that. There's no time. And so I I just think uh, he's going to get one more start because they play Thursday this week. So you're not going to stick, pick it in. But I do think if it goes not great in Cleveland, and they're, and they're under 300 yards again this upcoming week, I think you'll see Pickett the following week because yeah. he'll have a little he, bit longer 10 time. days. He'll have 10 days to prepare. And, and I think you're just going to have to do it. I, I just think so because I'd rather than just watch your future, which I have to admit to you, I don't think he has much to work with per se, but Mac Jones, eh, not not feeling him either. Honestly, I wouldn't read too much into the game against Pittsburgh. He had a back injury against the Dolphins, really? and then he yeah. got sick. Midway. He didn't practice at all this week, so he did not look great. I mean, their offense looked pretty poor, and they really got bailed out by the mold Gunnar Roshelski uh, fumbling that punt, muffing that punt, and that crazy catch right before the half that went for a touchdown. That, I mean, if those two things don't happen, it's a different story. So what I, did, what I didn't know, and I learned this yesterday, but – whatever. Maybe I just wasn't listening to, to, to the, the broadcast at the time, but of course they could have picked it off. Right. They had it like, I think it was right in our, our guy's hand, Cam Sutton's hand. I think, I mean, it couldn't have been any more in his hands. Um, <laughs> he dropped it, which then led to the punt, which yeah. then led to the, the deal. But apparently our guy Gunner, I, I guess he didn't count well too, because we only had 10 guys on the field. Oh no. <laughs> so, 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 at the end of the day, the reason why your guy was down there was because, yeah, no one would blocked him. Yeah. Uh, so I'm not saying that was the reason why he muffed it, but.
but it didn't help. Didn't help. Sure. It didn't help. Now, now the, the last thing I'll say is, as I was talking to my buddy, who's a Patriot fan is, which I don't get this. I, I, just go tempo. They went tempo and scored and then, you know, got the two point conversion. And then we go back to watching paint dry. Yeah. I, it's, it's weird. weird. I don't know. Weird. I, you know, as you could imagine in that town, it's not, um, it, it's not great today. <laughs> <laughs> but both of those teams, back to your question, um, Steelers, I would say mm, high watermark is six and 11 this year. Ooh. That'll be the, that'll be the first losing season for Tomlin. That, that streak will end this year. I, 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 if they go nine and eight, he should be coach of the year. Yeah. He will have worked miracles because if they do, it'll because they'll have brought along Pickett. That he'll they'll have found a way to have a different quarterback. I, I just you, there's no way with Trubisky because Watt's done for the year, right? If, if, I mean, no, Pack- they they supposedly he he's in rehab mode. Okay, um, so he's on the uh, six game IL. Oh wow. Okay. Well, that'd be huge if he could come back. But they're just against the Bengals. Like they won that game because he just. I mean, they got to Burrow. Early yeah, I mean, it was like constantly. plus five in turnovers. It was crazy. The turnovers were a huge difference. But if you take the pass rush and take it down a level, yeah, I mean, you saw that against the Pats. Like, they're just not the same team. But anyway. They put that little stat up with Super Bowl championships on it, six and six. And it was like, it felt like memories, <laughs> didn't it? it? It felt like you just wanted to think back. I, I was thinking about a song just just in my head, Those the days when we we're in the AFC championship. It's a different era. We're moving into different eras, uh, but we got, to, at least we remember and got to enjoy. The well, listen, piece. Cincinnati's going to get better, although their offensive line is struggling, They're but, but at the end of the day, they will get better. I think Cleveland's roster is really good, but Baltimore's defense, Alex. Eesh. That was crazy. That was a crazy, like Tua, the, Tua had 50 fantasy points. He had six touchdowns and, but again, Miami, though, again, Waddle and Hill, those guys create problems, and Tua made enough plays, and Baltimore keeps losing guys on defense. I don't know. Yeah, that's a, that's crazy. Lamar had, like, a, a ridiculous game, and they still couldn't finish the deal. Yeah, it's a weird – your, your division is weird this year. Let's now, the last, the last thing I'll say is because I have a little bit of a relationship with him, but Kendrick Bourne um, – yeah. You can get him out of the doghouse now. I, I know he was late to a meeting prior to the first game. He can go out because he's, I think, your best receiver, or at least you need him on the field. Yeah, it it feels like um, he's put on a very good face, but they need to play him. We are bereft of talent. <laughs> he's a talented player, and if being late to a meeting is his only offense, we've served our two-game doghouse suspension, quote-unquote, Play the guy. Bill's hubris is going to come and get us at one of these days. It right. And like to be fair, I don't know what. Maybe there's more, right? Could be more. Could be more. My my guess is probably not because this it feels like that this staff, for whatever reason, the same thing happened with Malcolm Butler. Like they just make they pick weird hills to die on sometimes. And I don't know. It's a no nonsense policy. I'll, I'll, I'm going to end the pod on this one. A question. Simple yes or no question for Alex Heiner. Simple yes or no question. It's February 25th, 2023. Where is Xander Bogarts? Is he in the Boston Red Sox uniform? 
he is he is he is at, reporting to spring training for a different organization. Oof. So the answer is no. He's not in a Red Sox uniform. He's not in Fort Myers unless he's, he's with the Twins. Uh, unless he's with the Twins, <laughs> he might be there. He's not in the Red Sox dugouts. No, I don't think so. No. Mm. Tough year for the Sox. Tough year. Tough year. We got to get some pitching. We, <laughs> we got to get a lot of different things. Maybe a new GM. Maybe is what we need. Hey, mate, this will make you happy. Um, Chris Sale could opt out. <laughs> <laughs> there's no way Chris is turning down that contract. If there's anything that's a guarantee in life, it would be him not opting out. He will not opt out. No. 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 We got to be careful with bikes. <laughs> I wear a helmet every time I go out with my kids because of Chris Sale. On a bike, if you do crash into something, chances are you're going to get the L. <laughs> the something is going to get the win. You will not come Something out else will get the situation. W. You will get the L. And oh, away you go. Oh, there we go. Away we go. We got to go. Uh, good episode as always. Good to catch up, Phil. Best of luck to these UND squads as they move into conference play this week. Sounds good, Alex. We'll talk to Bill in two weeks' time. Well, you'll see Bill all around the Alara Center and around the Betty and around the Ralph here pretty soon. Lots of home games coming up. We hope you get out and enjoy. Enjoy this fall sports season as it transitions to conference play. Best of luck to our teams this week. Thanks to you, the listener. Uh, for Bill, I'm Alex. We'll talk to you next time. <laughs>